This is a song we sing during the year, and um, there's Christmas verses to it, so we're going to do the Christmas verses. We'll start our Christmas carols next week. We took a week off from practice on Wednesday nights and uh, gave everybody a much-needed Thanksgiving break. Next week, we'll start our Christmas carols. Week after next, I want to do a Christmas carol sing and uh, unplug everything and play all acoustic and get a few more people up here and just do lots of Christmas carols. And uh, But this is a Christmas verse for a very famous song about offering. Words are beautiful. It talks about the wise men coming, but we don't have like gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Those are too expensive gifts for us. But we do have ourselves. Give of yourself. It's a greater gift than anything. It's what Jesus did when he died on the cross. Gave of himself. When he came to the world to save sinners. Over the skies of Bethlehem appear a sun. While angels sing to lonely shepherds. Three wise men seeking truth traveled from afar. Hoping to find the child from heaven. Falling on their knees, they bowed before the humble Prince of Peace. I bring an offering of worship to my King. No one on earth deserves the praises that I sing. Oh, Lord, I bring an 
Jones, come and pray for us for our offertory. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the time that we can come together and worship and praise you. At, uh, Father, we just, uh, our hearts are filled with thanksgiving. Father, for the season that we just experienced. Father, just make us more mindful of uh, how we need to praise you and give you thanks each and every day. Father, now as we continue in worship with our offerings and our gifts, Father, we ask that you receive these, and Father, that uh, you might bless them. Father, that uh, again, that we might continue to do your work. In Christ's name, amen. You see, sometimes at this point in our worship service, we have special music. Sometimes we do faith stories, and we want to reincorporate a faith story, and Marla Moore has something that God's been doing in her life, and she's going to share with us this morning. Good morning. Um... As I was preparing for this morning, I started searching Advent, not realizing earlier that I would be speaking on the first Sunday of Advent to bring my faith story. And something that jumped out at me as I was doing that was that Advent, Advent is a golden thread woven through the scriptures by the prophets of what was to come. And that today is the candle of hope. And am I, okay, I'm not close okay. Now can you hear me? Okay. <laughs> and that today is the candle of hope. And I knew where I needed to go with what I was going to say this morning, but I wasn't quite sure of my jumping off point. And God put all that in my life in between me committing to do this and today. And he's done that through several different ways. Um, God revealed to some of the prophets that he would not leave his people without a true shepherd. And that's one of our sources of hope, is knowing that we have that shepherd to lead us and to guide us. He leads us beside the still waters. He takes us to those green pastures. And without him, we, 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 we just wouldn't have any purpose, any meaning. He is our comfort. And about a week and a half ago, I know that many people see Facebook as a bad thing. But it's also a very great evangelistic tool. And about a week and a half ago, Kristen Lahan posted this verse on Facebook. He tends his flock like a shepherd. He gathers his, the lambs in his arms and carries them close to his heart. 
He gently leads those that have young. And with that post, she said, To all you mothers out there, I hope this verse speaks to you like it did to me today. And I want to share with you a time that, not that verse in particular, but the scene that you see on the screen spoke to me. And that was about four and a half years ago. Hope had been to England twice, and um, Ryan had been on many mission trips within the States. But Steve and I had one of the hardest things we'd ever done coming in the next week. Hope was on the stage in the Memorial Chapel, and she was a part of a trio with Julie Lahan and Melissa Baxter. And they were performing one of the songs that they had done in England. That was on Sunday night. The next Saturday, Steve and I were prepared to move Hope four and a half hours away to Rome. And she was only 17. And as a mother, that was a really tough thing to do, to take my child four and a half hours away. And I think as a daddy, it might have been even harder. I know that little girls and daddies have a special bond. I have one with my mother, but I have a different one with my daddy. And um, she was singing, and I could feel the tears coming. I was thinking way too far ahead, and I shouldn't have been, but I was. I just couldn't, couldn't release it. And because of the hope that we have and the Holy Spirit that God left with us as our comforter through Jesus Christ, I can't say that I felt it, but I had the need to look to my right. And when I looked to my right, this picture of Jesus cradling the lamb in his arms was on that huge stained glass window on this north hall, north wall. And that became such a comfort to me. And I have this image burned in my memory. It's just etched. And I know that our children aren't ours. They're a gift from God. And they're His. We are put here to raise them up, teach them God's teachings, bring them to church, and give them the guidance. But ultimately, they're still His. And that night, when I looked at that stained glass window, it was revealed to me that my arms aren't very long and they can't reach that four and a half hours. But God's are long enough to reach down from heaven. And there was no way I could be with hope 24 7, 365. But God is with each of us that way. And the night that I was driving to Rome, that four and a half hour trip that I made in three hours and 15 minutes, because I thought she was going in for an appendectomy, God was with both of us. His arms were cradling both of us. And the time that she called at 1130 at night and had just had an accident, but she was able to make the call herself, God placed friends around her, and he was comforting her. And 
when Ryan and Brother Wayne and them went to Nicaragua into that third world country. And he was in, they ended up being in the middle of a Sandinistan parade with machine guns in the trucks all around them. You know, God was protecting him. His arms reached throughout the world. He is our hope. And I can only think on this first Sunday of Advent what Mary must have been pondering in her heart at eight months pregnant and wondering what was about to come into her life and how God was going to continue to use her and this miraculous child that he had given to her. And I have to end it by telling you something that happened about three months ago. I was distraught over a situation that had happened at my job. And this hasn't happened to me in a long time, not since probably I had my wisdom teeth removed and then maybe on the day of my marriage. But it turned out that my daddy and I were in the room alone and I was just so broken through some the things that had happened to me that day. All I could do was sob and cry. And Daddy got up from his chair and he came over to the sofa where I was sitting and he just wrapped me up in his arms. That's what God wants to do for us today. Not just when we're distraught. But he wants us to cry to him and to come to him with all of our joys and all of our sorrows and allow us to be that little lamb that's in his arms so that he can carry us through whatever events that we're going through. He loves us and he wants to be there. But we have to allow him to. Thank you. times, but I've always envisioned myself as one of those big, strong lambs walking at his feet. It would be so much easier to be the little one in his arms, wouldn't it? And count on him. This first Sunday in Advent is, uh, gets us prepared for Christmas, and how I want us to prepare for Christmas is reading Luke 2, 22 through 32. Because I think how we prepare for Christmas is exactly the opposite from the way God wants us to. Luke 2, 22 through 32. Jesus is uh, eight days old in verse 21. And 22, when the time came for their purification according to the law of Moses... They brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord, as it is written in the law of the Lord. Every male that opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord. And to offer a sacrifice according to what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And this man was righteous and devout, looking for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he should not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. Inspired by the Spirit, he came into the temple, and when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now lettest thou thy servant depart 
in peace according to thy word. For mine eyes have seen thy salvation, which thou hast prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles, and for glory to thy people, Israel. Shall we pray? Father, as we enter into this this month of December where there'll be parties and, and shopping and activities and eating and buying and, and visiting and all the other busyness of the season. Help us find some time, some corner, somewhere where we can slow down enough to listen, to wait, and to anticipate the coming of the Christ child into our world and into our hearts. Of course, in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Does it seem like every Christmas things get faster and crazier and more busy? Um, just as, as the day draws near, it becomes more hectic and speeds up even more. I love... Uh, the Dr. Seuss story, How the Grinch Stole Christmas. And, and it really has a pretty profound ending to it. Because the Grinch discovered that you don't find Christmas by increasing its speed. This is what he says when he, when he tried to stop Christmas from coming. He stared down at Whoville. The Grinch popped his eyes. Then he shook what he saw was a shocking surprise. Every who down in Whoville, the tall and the small, was singing without any presence at all. He hadn't stopped Christmas from coming. It came. Somehow or other, it came just the same. And the Grinch, with his Grinch feet ice cold in the snow, stood puzzling and puzzling. How could it be so? It came without ribbons. It came without tags. It came without packages, boxes, or bags. He puzzled three hours till his puzzler was sore. Then the Grinch thought of something he hadn't before. Maybe Christmas, he thought, doesn't come from a store. Maybe Christmas, perhaps, means a little bit more. Pretty profound for Dr. Seuss. Maybe Christmas doesn't come from increasing his speed or getting more packages, boxes, or bags. Maybe Christmas comes when we slow down enough to have a silent night to wait, and to listen, to worship. You know, that first Christmas, most people didn't even notice it. It came silently to those who were listening. It came to an old man named Simeon, who was going into the temple daily and worshiping God, and who had been promised by the Lord that he would not die until he had seen the Lord's Messiah. It came to some shepherds out on a hillside. It came to a couple of old women who were worshiping God faithfully. It came to some wise men who were looking up in this night sky. It didn't come to business executives or to newspaper reporters or to important politicians. Because they were already so busy and their agendas were so full... And they had so many things they had to accomplish before they went to bed that night that they didn't have time to stop and listen and wait and worship. But it came to those 
who were silent. There's a couple of things I want to say about Christmas as a result of this, and the the outline is in your worship bulletin. The first thing is that Christmas comes as a surprise. And what I mean by that is you can't make Christmas happen by all the things that you do and by adding a few more into the mix. It doesn't force Christmas to come. So you see what I'm saying? I'm saying we knock ourselves out to make Christmas happen and we have parties and we have activities and, and we go shopping and we buy gifts and we, do, we go visiting family and friends and, and almost every night in December you have somewhere to go or something to do. But none of those things make Christmas happen. They don't make Christmas come. Christmas comes, according to this passage, as a surprise to those who are waiting and watching and praying and expecting. The best Christmases happen completely unexpectedly. That's how I found it out in my life. And I can think of a couple times when Christmas came and it wasn't something I was anticipating. The first time I was in college and uh, organized uh, a Christmas caroling to the homebound in our church. And uh, one of the houses we went to, I'll never forget, it was, I grew up in Avondale, outside of Decatur, is right in the middle of Avondale Estates. And we went to this road and we went to this house and had a homebound member of our church there who had been in bed apparently for years. There were about 10 or 12 of us that arrived in the church van. And when we got to the house, the wife met us at the door and immediately ushered us back to his bedroom where he was in a hospital bed. And we stood around his bed, and he had all these tubes and and masks attached to him. And we started singing Christmas carols. And the last Christmas carol we sang was Silent Night. And he started singing along with us. And as he was singing, he started crying. And we started crying. And I'll never forget that night as a, as a, as a time when Christmas for me came. And uh, it just, for me, it was what Christmas was all about, sharing God's love. And I guess that's why I like to go Christmas caroling every year now, because in some way I, I'm trying to recreate that event. And sometimes it happened and sometimes it doesn't. But it just reminded me that there was nothing I can do to make Christmas come, to make Christmas happen, because it comes surprisingly, it comes unexpectedly. And it, it comes not when you're out in a, in a fury of shopping or when you're on your way home from your third Christmas party that night. It comes when you have time to slow down and worship. The second time I can distinctly remember was 20 years ago. And I know it was that length of time because that's how old Catherine is now. She was six months old, and we had just finished decorating the Christmas tree. We always play Handel's Messiah when we decorate the tree. And and Susan just puts thousands of lights on the tree. And I turned off the lights in the house, and the tree was dazzling, and we sat on the floor around the tree cradling our six-month-old daughter. We were probably looking at the Christmas ornament that says, Baby's First Christmas or something like that. And, and I was just overwhelmed with the, with the wonder and the excitement of Christmas because it was like I was seven years old again, sitting around that tree with our daughter that the doctor said we'd never have. Um, and the miracle of Christmas 
came as a surprise when I least expected it. A lot of folks will go to a lot of trouble these next four weeks to make Christmas happen. But let me tell you, it doesn't happen when you, you add activities and presents and parties and eating and party and, and all those things. It won't happen because you, you have more things to do. Matter of fact, I think those things are counterproductive. Christmas happens when you're alone and when you're quiet and when you're listening. Like Simeon and like Anna and like the others who were aware of Jesus' arrival. So few in that world in Bethlehem. But those who were still and listened heard of his coming, and it came as a surprise. The second thing I want to say is it usually comes in silence. It doesn't come when there's a lot of noise and furor of activity. Think for a moment of those who were aware of that first Christmas. There was this old priest in the temple some women of obscurity, some shepherds on a hillside, some wise men in a far country who were staring in the night sky, simple folk who had time on their hands to spend with God. I hear folks tell me from time to time when they're trying to work through things, they get in the truck and go for a drive. Or they go for a walk out in the woods. Or they just find somewhere, somehow, some time to be alone for a a while, to pray and listen and wait. That's our problem. We're too busy today to listen and reflect. The world says, don't just stand there, do something. But God says, don't just do something, stand there. And while you're standing Listen and pray and worship and seek God. If Jesus were to come today, he would not come to those who were busy and important and powerful and wealthy. He would come to the coal miners of West Virginia to the migrant laborers in Mexico, to a a fishing village in China. He would come where people have time to spend with him and listen to what he has to say. Someplace simple, someplace quiet. You know, the irony of the gospel is that's, that's how it was when Jesus was on the earth. There's a story in Mark chapter 10 that just amazes me because Jesus' disciples have been with him for a long time and they are unable to see who Jesus is. But when he enters this town, there's a blind man who sees and knows who Jesus is. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me, he says. Now, how could it be that a, that a, a blind man could see and his disciples could not? Isn't that the way it is? People who who have special needs, who have time and aren't distracted by all the 
things going on around us. Listen to God more closely than the rest of us can. Jesus comes to a heart that is waiting and watching in silence and stillness. He comes in a surprising way. He comes silently. And the third thing I want you to see about this is how we should respond the same way that Simeon and Anna responded. When Jesus comes, we should respond with with worship and supplication and rejoicing. Glorifying, and you know the shepherds, they were out on the hillside and they came and worshipped Jesus and it said they returned glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen. That's how they responded. That's how we should respond. Like, like children, when you're six or seven years old, do you remember how excited you were to get a Christmas present? And how much fun it was to unwrap it. We used to wrap the same present up over and over again and let Catherine unwrap it. And it was like getting a new toy all over. And you could do that and, and just go on and on and you know, buy two or three toys, but she could unwrap ten. Because you keep recycling them. And, and, and that's how we need to be. Just be so excited about the, the wonder of Christmas. That's how we open it up. So I guess what I want to say to you this morning is let's not miss Christmas this year by becoming too busy trying to make it happen. We have those Advent devotionals, by the way, that are available at the exits. Church members have written them. And, and we encourage you to take that devotional and sit down with your family or whatever and, and light a candle like on a wreath and read the devotional and pray, read the scripture that goes along with it. And 15, 20 minutes a night, is that too much to turn the TV off or take the phone off the hook? That's not too much. And you'll be surprised how just a few minutes with God will help you sort through the day. And maybe that 15 will turn into 20 and maybe that 20 will turn into 30 and you'll find yourself spending more and more time for him as you hunger for him more and more. How did Jesus come? He came by surprise when he was totally unexpected. To whom did he come? To shepherds and and a few women and some wise men to the nobodies who had time to sit still and listen. How should we respond? With wonder and adoration and praise and thanksgiving. We prepare for Christmas not by getting busier, but by slowing down and waiting quietly. So if somebody asks you this Christmas, or the next few weeks, are you getting ready for Christmas? You can say, yes. I'm spending more time doing nothing. And see how they respond. Because that's what it takes, I think, to get ready for Christmas. Do the parties that you have to. See the family and friends. Do the traveling that, that's required. But don't add any more things than necessary just because it's Christmas. And instead, spend a little more time being quiet and worshiping, and waiting, and praising God for the amazing gift he sent to us at Christmas. Shall we bow?
Father, this next month is just going to be crazy with parties and shopping and, and traveling and, and all the extra things that we add to the month in order to celebrate Christmas. And, and by doing so, sometimes we miss Christmas completely. And so we ask you to help us section off some areas of our lives that will not be infiltrated by the busyness of the season. But we can have is our time with you to read about what you did for us at Christmas, to ponder it, and to praise you, and to worship you, and to give thanks as a result. God, we don't know what's going to happen this next month and when that, that time may come that Christmas happens for us. But we know it probably won't come when we're rushing around. And if and when it does come, it'll come by being quiet and worshiping you. Just doing something so simple that Christmas comes in and changes everything. Help us prepare for that event. And that will make all the difference for us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We're going to sing a a hymn of commitment and and decision and invitation. Call it what you will. But it's an opportunity basically for you to respond. We believe that when you worship God, that response is a part of that worship. And we want to give you that opportunity. We're going to sing a song. I'll be at the front here if you would like to come forward and share with us a profession of faith, a decision that God has led you to join our church or maybe rededicate your life or, or something other. Whatever God's leading you to do, I'll be here. You come. Let's stand together and sing. Hungry I come to you for 